it's now their biggest selling beer. It's their biggest, definitely their biggest selling can. Um, they can't produce it quick enough. We take 5% of sales and I've employed someone off it. All these things are getting our name out there. For example, one of our groups in Stroud only exists because they were looking for an alcohol-free beer. They got cleared. It came with Talk Club sitting on it. What's Talk Club? That sounds good. We'll set up a Talk Club here. Our product collaborations act as signposts as well. We delivered 4,000. We had 400 men join off 4,000 flyers. Cost me best part of 50 quid. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is episode 138. My name's Rob Woods, and this is the show for fundraisers who want ideas and maybe a little dose of inspiration to help you raise more money and really enjoy your job. This time, we're looking at the advantages that can come when you do things differently. I'm going to share a chat with Ben Akers, who is joint CEO and one of the co-founders of Talk Club. Talk Club is a small charity. It's only been going for a few years, but it's growing really quickly and making an ever bigger difference in its chosen mission. Their approach is fresh, plain speaking and innovative. And I loved hearing Ben's ideas and examples that bring this to life. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ben and I hope that you do too. Hello, Ben Akers. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Rob. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear some of this stuff. In terms of context, uh, help me get the, the details right. So you're the chief exec of Talk Club, is that right? I'm the joint CEO and co-founder. So there's six founders and me and Gav, who's one of the other founders, are our co-CEOs, yeah. And in terms of starting from the right place... What is Talk Club? What's the mission? What's the purpose? Talk Club is a male mental health charity or a male mental fitness movement is the way that I like to refer to it. We started as a CIC four years ago uh, and we became a charity two years ago. Um, we are basically a talking and listening community for men. How to get men... To open up and look after their, their mental health, or as we'd like to frame it as mental fitness. And our ultimate goal is to create a mentally fit society and to stop men killing themselves. And I know you gave a talk at the Chartered Institute of Fundraising Convention uh, earlier in the year, which was very well received. I saw some of the social media about it and my colleague Ben told me how much he loved it. And he suggested we have this conversation in the first place. It is interesting that such a new charity be out there, A, on that stage, and B, really making such a difference with their presentation. Yeah, we started four years ago in the back of a pub. We have now have 78 clubs around the world as of uh, as of this morning. These are various states of development, but but 78. We've trained over 350 captains, who are the blokes who, who, who run our groups. We're very, very young and we've got a small team. There's sort of there's only five full-time, part-time staff. Me and Gav work four days a week for, for the charity. We brought in over 200 grand. And that's come a lot from a slightly more entrepreneurial way that we, we look at it. But we had this amazing conversation yesterday and we're building a community. And we're building a community uh, not just of men to get men talking and get men owning and how feeling that they own Talk Club. But we're building a community of pride. We're building a community of connection. We're building a community where people 
want to be part of us and buy our things and buy our beer and our coffee and our merch. And we've done no major sort of strategy of getting people running up mountains or doing marathons for us. They've come to us. Everyone has come to us. We don't publicize. We don't we don't advertise. We don't sort of ask people, do you fancy running this marathon for us? People have come because they like what we're trying to do. They like who we are. They like the impact that our that our groups are having on their community. And they're giving to us. Even when I did that talk, I found it really weird because it was like fundraising. Like, hey, that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing, right? Of course it's a thing, right? But I was listening to the other talk speakers and I was like, like I, I haven't got any of that strategy. Like, that's not how I do things. Why I do things or the way that we do things, because my background's advertising. So I'm, I look myself as a, as a problem solver. So back in the day, I'd sell stuff to people they didn't need and and then make them feel good about themselves with buying my rubbish. Um, so I had an evil power as the way that I called it. I had an evil power and I was, wanted to use that evil power for good. And uh, I started working in sustainability and purpose-driven advertising. And then this life-changing moment happened. And now I'm, now I'm a, a CEO of a charity I didn't mean to start. One of the reasons I was so keen to talk is that you are doing various things just differently from what many more established charities are doing it seems to be it's all about getting stuff done getting uh men in those chairs doing that talking and the partnership with a beer or a coffee company is not primarily a source of money it it's a bit of that as well but it's primarily about how you achieve the mission i was fascinated to hear the other day why you do what you do okay so oh a little shiver down my spine it's coming up to 10 years so it, and even in 10 years it still lives there so my background is I was born in South London, grew up in a pretty lively part of South London. And one of my best friends was a was a young man called Steve Yates. And um, we were inseparable. We were uh, brothers by another mother. Uh, I spent most of my teens at his house on holiday with his family because the stuff was going on at my family, if I'm honest. And then as we grew and I got a career in advertising and one of only two, two in my year to get to university, I started spending a lot of my time in, in London and he moved down to the South Coast and we drifted. I mean, you drift in your 20s and 30s and when families get involved, kids get involved. And I'd moved to Australia with work and he'd moved to Canada with work. So he worked at the equivalent of BT. He worked at BT here and the equivalent of BT there. When I got a phone call from his cousin telling me that, um, are you sitting down? And I'm like, why are you ringing me? That, that Steve had taken his own life. I'd never been confronted by suicide before. It was pretty... I'd been around mental ill health as a, as a child, but I hadn't been confronted by suicide. So for three years, I sort of spent a lot of time asking why, a lot of time in therapy asking why, never really found a why. We'd move back to the UK and uh, I literally were going to, I mean, I was planning to see him. It was like I'd been back in a country for two weeks and I'd bought May United tickets. So my new career back here was working in film and I hadn't connected the dots between what was going on with Steve and what was going on with my new career. Um, so I was making films and then I was sitting in a I was sitting in a, a, a hammock in France three years later. And I read these statistics that statistically suicide is the biggest killer of men under 50. Suicide is 76 percent of suicides are male. A man dies every 90 minutes in this country. So statistically, the thing most likely to kill me is me. And that's how I started my 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 TED talk. And I was really sort of what can I do? What can I do? Um, how can I change what this is? And my problem-solving world and sort of starting working in film 
and making docs, I decided to make a documentary. So I made a documentary called Steve. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, if I'm honest. It's sort of like the way that I always do things. I just sort of start things and sort of see how they roll and move with them. Go with the energy, as my mum always says. So this little 15-minute idea with a crowdfunder to sort of raise 10 grand to make this film, 15, half hour, whatever, see what happens, turned into 50 hours of footage, turned into me spending the best part of six months travelling the country, collecting amazing stories from amazing people, looking at all the positives that are out there, not just these horrible statistics and the negatives. And then when it when it was released in um, March, 19, uh, uh, March 2019, we'd had a couple of pre-screens and someone sort of said to me, now what? I was like, now you've opened me up, now what are you going to do with me? So I was like, so I turned to some of the producers and I was like, I think we probably need to start something here. Like we've created this, we're going to create this whole thing um, and we, we, we need somewhere for these men to go. So what I was noticing was there were some amazing charities in this research that I was collecting from, from making the film. Amazing, amazing charities. But everyone was really looking at, I call it triage, keeping men alive. That moment of I'm on a bridge or that moment of I've broken because we're very much in a broken, fixed society when it comes to our mental health. No one was really, really looking at prevention. And when Danny Scolthorpe said to me in, in the film, he sort of says to me about mental fitness and suddenly a light bulb went on in my head. And I was like, Danny, that's, am that's amazing. Like Danny's sort of ex rugby England international at the point, one of the hardest men on the planet and sort of like literally for him to be talking about, how he handled his mental health and how he handled mental fitness. So so it was a bit of that. It was a bit of it was a bit of sort of putting together the team uh from 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 the film. And then yeah, and then they sort of like we looked at prevention and then sort of we were sitting in a pub, me and one of the co-founders and the producer Neil, and we came up with the name Talk Club and we're like, that's got to have gone. So both of us being in advertising, we're straight on online trying to work out how we can make it work. No charity was existing that way. So we were like, okay, that's something interesting. We can take that. And then I started collecting other people from the film. I collected Gav, who sort of like is a, was trained to be a therapist, but did all the music and is now a qualified therapist and has been for three years. And Blue, who was in the film, Tom, who was in the film, my wife, they, they, we were six founders. But it's all like, we didn't know what it was going to be. We sort of like, like the idea was just to sort of start a, a thing, a talking group. We were looking at why men aren't talking. I sort of say in my talks that like, we've never been taught how to talk. Right. It's a, it's a foreign language to us. Feelings is a foreign language. You, you might as well say go and speak Latin to your friend as say go and tell me feelings. So I was talking to Blue about this and Blue goes, well, I'm using this thing like I'm using how are you out of 10 with 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 my youth mentoring work. And I was like, that's it. Let's use that because kids are kids are men are just kids. You mean, like we just need to, we need to be taught. So that's these were the sort of the genesis of where these things came from. And. Yeah, we, we, we started small. We grew really quickly. As I say, we're up to, I think it's 78 as of, as of today, clubs around the world, mainly mainly in Britain. But again, it's all very, very organic. Everyone's coming to us going, I'd like to set up a... We set one up in Florida like uh, last week. Someone came to us, they were, they were over here. They just moved to Florida. I'd like to set up a talk club. And we're like, yeah, cool. Here's, the, here's how you do it. Um, and I think it's that sense of community is the reason why we're growing so fast. The reason why people are feeling so that they can be part of it and, uh, and and belong. Do you know what I mean? That's 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 sort of that's my understanding of what these things how it's unfolded. Thank you for explaining that. One of the interesting themes to me 
is, I mean, there's lots of professions where it's important to be good at understanding people and why people do or don't do things. But so it seems to me advertising is one of them. An important theme of doing well in that area is trying to having a laser like focus on who you're trying to sell the stuff to, <laughs> trying to understand what they currently do <laughs> and what it is about your th thing that will solve something for them. And, and crucially, how you would persuade that person to do that thing. And it seems to be one way of looking at Talk Club is you've applied that narrative, that approach to solving a different problem. This problem in reducing suicide by getting men talking, understanding why they don't, and coming up with simple, clear uh, things they can do that really changes that. What I always try and do when I'm working with any client in advertising, and then, and then I apply that to what we're doing on everything that we're doing with Talk Club, is what does success look like? Because if you know what success is, then you can work backwards from that. So with Talk Club, my whole thing is I don't want to miss a man, right? I want a man who needs to talk. He's got access to being able to talk. I, I try and understand as many of those different relationships inside the mediums I'm choosing. There was a conversation with a, a council who'd given us a little bit of money. And we had this back and forth about how we were going to spend this money. And, they, and I sort of said, like, oh, well, I want to deliver 4,000 flyers. And the argument, they're, they're, no, no, social media. And I was like, social media is dead. Social media is wallpaper for the for the person people I'm looking at for social media is wallpaper. It's actually an anxiety creator if it's if if I'm if it's really someone that, that who really needs me, really needs what we're trying to provide. We we delivered four thousand. We had four hundred men join, off four thousand flyers. It cost me best part of fifty quid. Understand those a little little thing about understanding what that journey is. We we are where men are. That's always been our thing. Like with 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 the film. The idea of the film was to go to do it as a pub tour. So when I released the film, I did it as a pub tour and we weren't a charity at the time, so I could do that. And my 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 mate turned around to me and who runs a charity, a very successful charity, and said to me, Benny, that's brilliant. I, I can't I can't do that, but you can. Because I went to where the men were. I went to them and I told them they're sitting there cradling a pint, thinking about their own worries. And I'm not forcing them on, I'm just telling other people's stories. And Language is so, so, so important. We keep our stuff really, really simple. We keep ourselves single-minded. Like My whole goal with the film of Steve was to save one Steve, to save the next Steve, to save one man. And I've got stories of, of these that could come out of my ears, but what we use in advertising is if you chuck one ball at someone, they'll catch one ball, right? You chuck five balls, they won't catch anything, right? So what does success look like out of any piece of communication out of any bit of campaign, out of what do you want to achieve? And when it comes to blokes, the attention span is minor, it's tiny with blokes. So I'm talking to blokes who don't want to listen to me, who don't want to look after themselves, who sort of who thinks who think there's any other reason in the world for them to for them to look after themselves. I, most most men most men that come to talk club when you actually delve in is they realise when they get there that they 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 need it. But it took them a while to get there because their family comes first. Everything else in the world comes first before themselves. And that's the reason why the statistics are so high, in my opinion. So we do things like that. We try and use language is so so important, like a very kind journalist described Steve as a change entry. And I was like, I'm having that. So I like not a documentary, because for me, I don't know how to make documentaries. I only know how to make films that I make. Right. But if you look at documentaries, the, the, your, your, the, uh, any documentary on uh, out there, 
they're normally made by a journalistic way of looking at the world. You go, the world's rubbish, and you go, uh, if you're affected by this, call this number at the end, right? Yeah, and or you what? just feel, oh, well, I'm very angry now. I'm more angry than I was. I'm yeah. <laughs> Give me a hit of, a hit of anger about the, uh, the corruption in that place. Exactly, but it, but you don't you don't feel any any sense of any sense of change about it, and so what Steve was was about was about those things of this is what you can do and this is how you can look after yourself in a soft way or a lot or, or, or a full on way. Um, and my new film, uh, Our Kids, Our Lives, is a lot more hard hitting than that. It's, it's it's actually talking to parents and trying to get them to look after themselves and their kids by connecting with their kids. But that's how I knew, that's the only way I know how to make films. Like the only way I know how to make funds, not legacy fundraising. I don't know any of this stuff. That was that was what the that was what was amazing about coming to that that conference was I was, I was sitting there learning because I don't I don't know this is great and I'm I'm a sponge I need to learn. But the way that I go is I go okay, I've got a brand. We got a brand that's doing good. We can give that brand and that story to some to something and we can make money from that and we can make awareness from that so we clearhead the the our, our non-alcoholic beer like we went it's quite simple we went well men are in pubs men like pubs i like pubs i've grown up in pubs i feel comfortable in pubs but i know about the connection between alcohol and depression so i, I want to use that but I, I don't want to fuel that so non-alcoholic beers were on their way up we went into um, Sam at the Bristol Beer Factory, told him the idea. It's now their biggest selling beer. It's their biggest, definitely their biggest selling can, but they can't produce it quick enough. We take 5% of sales and I've employed someone off it. So just off of a passive income of a beer that can, will only get bigger. Like we will, we will be creating more ranges. We will be like, they can't make it quick enough. So then from that, I sort of went, okay, well, what else do I want? I, around here in Bristol, we've got, Every coffee shop you go into, there's there's women sitting down drinking coffee. Like there's groups of groups of women, right? And you never see groups of men sitting down drinking coffee, right? But why? We should be able to connect with our friends. We should be able to sort of collect, have those moments of I'm worried about you. Let's have a coffee. So Gavin and I are sort of like, okay, look, I asked, I actually asked Sam, in your opinion, who's the, the good coffee company? So he goes Wogan's. So we went, so I, I I emailed James Wogan, got his details. Sort of said, look, fancy coming over to the office. Literally before my bum had hit the hit the the, the chair, he goes he goes. Well, so why am I here? And I sort of look. I want to do a clear head with you. I want to do a, a Wogan's clear head. And before my ass had even hit the, the 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 chair, he said yes. And I was like, I've got a I've got a thirty page uh, presentation here about how it's brilliant. And he and I, I go okay. I spent I spent nearly an hour doing that yesterday. And he's like, uh, he's just laughing. And and James is, James and Wogan's are perfect. We've got it's called Talk Club Ten. Here it is. Talk Club 10, our coffee. Um, take 10 minutes out. Ask yourself how you are out of 10. And again, it's a slower build. But but what we're doing is we're not just creating funds from these things. We're creating all these things of getting our name out there. And, for example, one of our groups in Stroud only exists because they were looking for an alcohol-free beer. They got cleared. Came with Talk Club sitting on it. What's Talk Club? That sounds good. We'll set up a Talk Club here. So our product collaborations act as signposts as well as sort of like being part of the community so you can do your bit by buying not just giving me your money but by buying our coffee regularly or buying our beer regularly or buying the next product that i'm working on that i can't talk about regularly but um but that's the sort of like that's that's our passive income idea and then and what we do is with our merch is 
our merch is sort of all about like we've got an iconic t-shirt the the how are you out of 10 t-shirt and we've got a completely different strategy with that as well because again i want people to be using to be wearing that and be proud of that and start that conversation because it's a double thing i need people to i need people to be walking billboards if i'm honest hey there it's rob and i wanted to quickly let you know about our two flagship training programs that's the major gifts mastery program and the corporate partnerships mastery program to give you a sense of the difference they can make here's a really quick bit of feedback we received recently from asia parekh who took part in our most recent corporate mastery program this is my first corporate fundraising position I, i've never corporate fundraised before i rely quite heavily on the things that Rob taught. Since being on the programme, the charity has managed to turn over 10 partnerships. We started off with one. While I was on the course with Rob, that one turned into six, and now it's turned into 10. For the charity, the partnerships are worth around £10,000 each. And at 10, we have a total of £100,000 coming in. I would really, really recommend the programme. Absolutely do it. It's worth every penny. And I'm really, really grateful for having been on it. At the time of publishing, there are still a few places left for both programmes starting in November 2023. To find out more about either Corporate Partnerships Mastery or the Major Gifts Mastery programme, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. And if you have any questions, please do get in touch. But for now, let's get back to my conversation with Ben. Many charities, the leaders... If there is a corporate fundraiser, they primarily, if we're really honest, see the corporate fundraiser as a person whose job it is to go to companies, ask for money, get money, bring the money back in, use the money to pay for the valuable services. And one of the things we teach on our Corporate Partnerships Mastery Programme is, yes, it's wonderful that partnerships can raise you a lot of money. And also, at their best... You're missing a trick unless you see the potential of companies who have assets and resources way more than most charities do to in and of themselves through the partnership help you to achieve the mission through their audience, their IT, their consultancy, whatever other things they have that you don't that help you achieve your mission 10 or 100 fold. And and actually, in in hindsight, we discovered that asking for the 10,000 to pay for some stuff it is dwarfed by the amount of good you could do if you see partnership genuinely in this way. Some corporate fundraisers listening might think, oh, Rob's talking about pro bono. Yeah, pro bono is annoying. Last week, someone dropped off a case of wine or a, uh, someone was once set up. We've got given a half a van load of loo rolls. Could you go and send that out to wherever you, you do your good work? And then I've got a problem for how to use the thing. And one thing I teach is proactively working out what it is that's currently holding you back from achieving your mission dramatically more because for you it's expensive or because it's difficult to come by or whatever and work out which companies have that and that at some level their values are aligned or your audience is aligned so why wouldn't they want a help you do that and b be seen to help you do that proactively go after conversations with those again a thing you've done there is you didn't wait for your phone to ring you saw that men are drinking beer and or need to drink more coffee and you've gone after the right kind of partner rather than wondering why they're not coming to you. So there's several interesting themes, I think, there. One of the other things I think that comes right at the top of your strategy is A, 
to state the obvious, you just have this burning reason why, which gives you this hunger and clarity of decision-making that means you're not going to get fooled by what everyone else is doing. You're just going to keep saying, what would help me get my mission done? I think you said to me your strategy this year is, how can we get more men's asses on seats? Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, to us, it's about getting a man's bum on a seat, right? And we go like, and, that, and when I say a seat, that can be in our, our, talk and mo- uh, our talk and exercise groups. But it's actually going like, that is what that is what we know success looks like, is when we've got men sitting in groups talking and being part of the community and where that comes out. And everything inside that what we try and do, so whether it is, getting some more funds in or whether it's a partnership or whether it's a talk, but like everything that we're doing is actually going, it's coming to a very, very simple take. And like, even we've got, we start working with corporates now and we start offering a thing called business support where we're, we're sending in trainee uh, therapists under our, our framework to sort of like be listening support, set up clubs, be part of a talk club, uh, set up a talk or walk or, or actually just having someone who's a trainee therapist to sit there and listen to someone for, for half an hour. That money, we call it the Robin Hood approach, that money comes from them, goes back into the charity and helps helps men in in um, in maybe less affluent areas. Um, and I think that everything about it is just trying to keep, what we're trying to do is we're trying to just keep everything really, really, really simple. And it takes hard thinking to get something simple. So... So and we, we, we stress test stuff a lot. We sort of like even down to our brand, our brand is black and white. Um, and we use a very, very simple fold up flyer. Um, we've produced tens of thousands of these, but also it's been den- downloaded thousands of times and it can be printed out on a photocopier, double sided, a PDF. And it's just like you can do it yourself. And our, our brand, because we know that we know that if we send these things out, yes, it's our IP. But it's not about that. It's actually about getting a man to actually read this thing. And if I can create more and more people who believe and I make it easier for them to do that. Like my whole thing about it is just make it easier for people to say yes. Try and remove as many barriers as you can to get a man to sit in sit on a chair. Remove as many barriers as you can for, for uh, a celebrity to wear one of our T-shirts. Remove as many barriers as you can for, for people to sort of be proud of, be proud of the community that they're creating. So that's what we try and do. We try and keep everything really, really simple. And and it's sort of and and we're I mean, we had our captains convention at the weekend, back to language of captains, that blokes understand that. Um, but we had a captain's convention at the weekend and the pride that was coming out of these men who were feeding back to us about the, the, the community that that they've created. And also the transparency. They sort of like they really like the transparency about what we are. Like that, we we we're not trying to. We know what we we are, and we know what we're not, and we're not trying to sort of. We're not we're not trying to be over clever or 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 complicated. Like, and I think both Gavin and I are quite entrepreneurial about the way we work. We 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 fail fast and cheap. Um, we try not to fail at all. But but I, I really enjoyed one of your previous podcasts about 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 failure. Um, we're not just for men. We have men in the main community, but a mentally fit man is good for society. So. So his kids, his wife, um, we've got, we, we, when we're working with corporates, we work with both male and female. But, but what we're finding is that it's actually a, it's a bigger than that. It's about sort of like, it's about like, like we're almost looking at ourselves as a gym, like, like mental, mental fitness gym that you, people quite happily wear gold's gyms and be proud about looking after themselves. Like I want, I want you, you wear a talk club. 
piece of a t-shirt or a, or a piece of merch because you sort of you're proud of it you're proud of being part of of this of this movement moving forward to me you've always got to give someone something working with partners you've always got to be looking at it what's in it for them if you're looking at it what's in it for them then you can actually manage their expectations and you can actually make it a more sustainable income and like and that's the way that you that's the way that I work I don't look at it as 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 even with donations, we would like if there's a corporate donation, I'm still trying to get a talk club in there. I still sort of like it's it's like you that's amazing you've given us X amount of money. Thank you very much. Um should we should we sort of give something back to your staff? Can I can I set up a can we set up a talk club? Do you want me to come in and do a talk? You do a talk and suddenly I'm I've I've set up another talk club. Ninety nine point nine percent of people want to help, right? You just gotta give them the right opportunity to help. Yeah. Ben so brilliant to hear you talk i've really enjoyed our conversations so far i'm sure our listeners will get so much from this conversation as well uh, we'll put a link to talk club in the episode notes on my website as well i'm sure lots of people will want to find out more about the, the charity and, and how those talk clubs work and uh, yeah thank you so much for generously sharing your take on running a small charity growing a small charity making a bigger difference i've really enjoyed hearing your examples and uh, your take on it all so so refreshing and it's re-energized me so thank you and i look forward to catching up with you soon ben acres thank you so much so there you go i hope you enjoyed hearing about ben's approach if you did and you think it would help other people too please do share it on with your team and with other charities thank you ever so much for your help Now, if you'd like to find out more about our two long-standing programs, that's Corporate Partnerships Mastery or the Major Gifts Mastery program, which have now helped hundreds and hundreds of people to grow fundraising income over the last nine years. Or if you're interested in some bespoke in-house training for your team, or indeed, if you'd like to make a big positive shift in the way your charity approaches corporate partnerships, and you'd like to hear more about our Corporate Partnerships Consultancy Next Level service, check out the information on our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. Finally, I know there's a strong chance that you've already subscribed to the Fundraising Bright Spots show. But if not, please do follow us now. I'm really excited about the new episodes we're releasing over the next few weeks, and I don't want you to miss out on those. Do let us know what you think about the show. On Twitter or X, Ben is at Ben Akers, that's A-K-E-R-S, and I am at Woods underscore Rob, and we're both on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast. Good luck with your fundraising and your leadership, and I can't wait to share more Bright Spot stories with you very soon. Bright Spot.